right, welcome to the Steve-O and Goody podcast. We just want to take an opportunity this real quick to welcome you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of a couple of particularly good-looking hunters. Traipsing <laughs> <laughs> around the Australian bush. Too young, very good-looking, and tall. Yeah, tall. <laughs> and freakishly tall. <laughs> Americans who are trapped down in the and uh, our experiences living over here and hunting here and elsewhere around the world. We're going to get on with that today, so stay tuned. It's the Steve-O and Goody Show, live from... Well, we're not really live. We're but... not even close to live. In fact, by the time you're hearing this, we may even be dead. I <laughs> <laughs> somebody listened to the podcast yesterday. Yeah. A friend, actually, from church. Oh. And he sent me a message. Did he really? What did he say? What was the... Te- what was the... He said, oh, it's interesting. Oh, that, that's never a good one, somebody. And then he said, maybe you should do a shorter one. Okay. To be like um, like, like a trial one. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> 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 and he goes, it just seemed really long. I'm like, yeah. It's long form. It's a long form conversation. Yeah, he, goes, he goes, I don't know how long they normally are. I don't really listen to podcasts. And I said, I said, on average, two and a half to three hours. Yeah. Some, well, some are shorter. Like the, yeah, yeah. The... Peterson's bow hunting is kind of the, about 45 to 50 minutes. I don't even know what that is. But. You've never heard Peterson's bow hunting before. It's actually pretty good. It's very American-centric, right? Like, you, you, you get a lot of uh, how to hunt whitetail, how to plant food for whitetail, how to shoot a whitetail, food plants for whitetails, what seasons are good for whitetails. What minerals are you using yeah. this year? What calls are good for whitetails. So if you live in Australia, you're like, click, next. So... I don't think, I, I, every now and again, they'll have like a, an episode or two on hunting somewhere else. But by and large, it's whitetails. I had this random thought today. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to pose the question to you that popped into my head because some university kid kind of asked me this question the other day. Mm-hmm. And it popped into my head today while I was out working in the shop. And I was just like, what do I think about that? So he's got you thinking. So, oh, nice. But it's a stupid question. Sometimes they get you thinking. But it's a funny question. So he said, if there was a zombie apocalypse, right? (laughs) All right. You see where this is going? Yeah, okay. Okay. Go on. If a zombie apocalypse actually were to happen, which we know that's never going to happen. If it was to happen, what would your main food source be? So let's say, for instance, you can't really grow a garden, right? Because when you think about a food plot, right, the zombies, in my mind, will be predators. And so they would just be like... A hunter over bait. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm gonna jump into. Let me let uh, me get to where I'm going. Yeah, because because I think we're there's we're making a lot of crazy assumptions on this premise. But go right, on. right. And I'm just let me. Just, this is just because I don't think they're that strategic. I think they just run around and scream and kind of carry on, and they're undead, so they never waste away. That's because you watched that particular film. <laughs> uh, yes. Look, to be honest. <laughs> I, I didn't know that there was a Schindler's list of, of zombie apocalypse films. I just, I think one with Brad Pitt. He's a good looking man. I thought I'll watch that. Zombie. You know what's great about that movie? I can't remember. <laughs> Go on. There was no gore in that movie. None. Uh, yeah, there was. There was a scene where they, it was in Israel. Remember Israel had built But there was the wall. no, like they didn't actually attack anyone. I'm pretty sure they did. Like not, like you don't, you didn't see the gore. I think you did on the plane. Oh, I don't think you did. Oh, I think you did. I we'll think have you to... should watch it again. Yeah, let's watch because it Because my wife and I watched it three times thinking, wow, this is crazy. Why is this so I'm scary? confusing it. And I said, well, what's going on here? And I realized that the only thing that makes that movie scary is the music. 
they make the music. Uh, uh, the music makes it scary. It other film. Yeah, there was gore and a plan. Anyway, yeah. go on. So you've got this zombie apocalypse. Okay, so zombie apocalypse. I can't believe we're on this. <laughs> go on, go on. Yeah. Okay, so let's just say, right? You can't eat vegetables out of your garden. It's not an overbay. Okay, so let's just say there's there's no way to hang out in your backyard because let's just say there's a bunch of zombies in your backyard. Or, or they're around and they'll smell you or sense you if you come out. Something like that. Okay. Okay. There's a reason why you can't garden. Okay. Okay. So if you're a vegan, then what do you eat? Well, I'm not... Before I answer that question, I'm not entirely sure what vegans can eat now. <laughs> so, well, there yeah, is that. Yeah. So let's assume it's just ground vegetables and tofu and non-animal products. I, I think what you would presumably do is, um, assuming you've eaten everything you had stored, right? Like... Okay, so it, now it's day one of I've got no more food. What do I do? I think you'd probably have to risk it and go out. I mean, you could eat grass. I don't think that. Mm. I don't know that would sustain you. I could be wrong there. Um, you could grow stuff indoors. You could do. I, yeah. I know people who have grown plants indoors under intense light. <laughs> now, usually they weren't going to eat that particular plant. There was a, another kind of activity involved. Oh, the cooking. <laughs> Uh, if that gives you any clue, but but so if you if you wanted to, if you knew the apocalypse was coming, or you had some time before it kind of grew, and you took your plant seeds inside, you could grow them inside. Yeah, oh, that's my only. I mean, this is the most asinine conversation I've I, had. I in know, a long time. but what got me thinking today wasn't specifically the the vegan thing. What got me the vegans were part of it, but what got me thinking today is at what point would you eat another person? Ooh, okay. That's different. What point would you grab your bow and your arrows and, and shoot and go hunting for a person? You your self and your family, because there was no other source of food. Okay. Now I'm not saying that we would just run out and go and kill people and eat them because obviously we wouldn't do that. But if you're in a situation where well, it meant dying yes. or not dying yeah. or your children, what's died. that famous movie about? What was it? The soccer team in South Alive. America. Alive. The, yeah. That's a great um, movie, actually. I, I haven't seen the movie. I remember the story. But, you know, I think for me, I mean, it's hard to contemplate the point at which I'd actually do it. I'm sure you'd get there, though. Like, I'm sure at some point you'd say, you know, I don't want to starve to death. So, be starving to death is pretty horrible, like, by all accounts. Not that I've done it, obviously, but f- everything I've heard, it's not like you'd see it in the films or you'd imagine it where you just mm-hmm. kind of waste away. I mean, I, I think there's organ failure. There's all kinds of shit. So, at some point... And you'd have to make it at the right point too, because if yeah. you if you're getting real skinny and fucked up and you can't really do much, then you can't kill anyone anyway. I think you'd have to be pretty convinced that there's no more food. I think I would be the fat guy in the apocalypse. Yeah, you could because be. I would. I would. I don't know that I'd eat zombie though, because the I wouldn't. Is, I wouldn't eat zombie. Well, the theory is that they're their vi- flesh. Their flesh is viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you might be, unless you cooked it really well, like pork. In my <laughs> mind, so the thought oh, that I had today. Stop it for a minute. A zombie brisket. Ooh, that could be nice. It could be. I hear it tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also hear it tastes like chicken. Vegan. Vegan tastes like and chicken. And I was thinking about that. I was like, what would you do? And who would you kill? So I'm like, well, they would be kind of I'm like, fed. well, when you think, yeah, the, yeah, the free range, grass fed, you know, you are what you eat. And I'm going to eat you. So then you and I would be fast food for somebody eating us. <laughs> <laughs> but. There's just a random thought as I was building benches out in the shed today. Well, thank you for that. Now that we've moved on to the fucking more sane topic of the day, the ethical hunting question of the day, at what point do you hunt vegans? 
Yeah, well, you know, I like vegans. I have no issues with vegans because they're probably the closest to hunters is than anybody else, really. Well, in the sense that they care about what they eat and what they put in their mouth and the treatment of the animal. Like, yes. Yeah. And I, most, most of what they say is about the treatment of the animals yeah. and they want things to be clean and not factory farmed, blah, 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 which being hunters and us feeding ourselves that way yeah. kind of throws out most of their argument, really. <laughs> so if I had to pick a human to eat, that is exactly who I would eat. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Because they would taste so much and, better than somebody that eats mac every day. And if you day. were a conservative... Like you. <laughs> if you were a conservative Orthodox Jew, would you have to eat another Jew because they're kosher? Right? Like, think about it. Yeah, but being kosher is how you kill it. No, and it's also the food itself. Yeah, yeah, but... You can't just kill... Don't, don't you have to... Don't they have to be... Yeah, yeah, there's a, a whole, and kill there's a whole a bunch of stuff you have to do, but... There's actually certain food you can't eat. So you can never eat pork and never eat shellfish, no matter how you prepare it. So my point being... So does that mean I go to hell if I make bacon or ham out of it? No, well, Jews don't have the same concepts of hell. I I, I don't know. Well, neither do we, actually. But um, Really? Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about you crazy. that later. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, you crazy kids. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, getting off the zombie topic, that is the ethical question. At what point do you eat a vegan during the zombie apocalypse? I think it's the logical way to go. If you have to be... Uh, if you have to be a cannibal, yeah. which type... In fact, that new ethical question, please please put it on the Facebook if you hear it. What type of human do you eat if you're a cannibal during the apocalypse? Or what type of human wouldn't you eat? Either one. Might even be better. Yeah. You know? Short, fat American guys. I'd, I'd rule right out. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't eat them either. You know what? I, I hear they taste horrible. Awful. And out of professional courtesy, I wouldn't do it. Anyway. Well, there is that. Well, so, there is that. Okay, that's good. Now, can we move on to hunting? Like, I, I don't mean to take away the the mescaline portion of the of the session, but we decided early on in this the life of this podcast series to talk about some of the big issues. And we thought some of them, while being controversial and generally prone to promoting fistfights in the end or resulting in fistfights, Insulting mothers. And, uh, look, we fully expect our mothers to get insulted today at some point. Um, if not by ourselves, at least by people listening to the podcast. See, I'd have a hard time with that because I know your mom. I, I don't know your mom. I'm still not going to insult her. But it still gets the... <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> you can insult my dad. I know that. Um, uh, the other thing that we should probably mention is something that a lot of the topics that we're going to touch on, they're not Australia-only topics, so they're not U.S.-only topics. Yeah. These are worldwide yeah. big issues inside the hunting community. community. And probably more bow hunting than the others. So if you don't bow hunt and you listen to this, you might not care at all. You might not care and it's probably go. But you can still have a laugh. Yeah, you can go watch The Bachelor or something. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna open this up because we talked a little bit in the last one, and we did. I did mention Australians is a very general term, and when I say Australians, I'm not meaning the entire population. I'm meaning very specifically the people that are in forums that cuss at you and swear at you and, and talk about your mother and talk about what they're going to do to you behind behind your house when they catch you and you hear the dueling band and you're like, what is going on here? And who are these people and why are they talking to me? Now, I, on the other hand, just to clarify, I'm speaking about all Australians. That, that's because you're, <laughs> you're, you're a pain. Yeah. So I'm speaking about every single Australian hunter. I'm generalizing it and absolutely lumping everybody in the same. And we can say that because we're, we're actually both Australian. That's it. So we're including ourselves it. into this. Right? I'm allowed to do it. 
It's like that Jerry Seinfeld when he had the Gentile dentist that converted to Judaism just so he could make Jewish jokes. You and I have done the same thing on the uh, well, on the Australian that. front. It's man. true. It's true. We can now crack Australian jokes. Our big topic today that we're going to talk about, our first initial topic anyway, is going to be about broadheads. Ooh, here it comes. Because Very broadheads exciting. are the most debated thing uh, yeah. for between bow hunters. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything. I would outside. say. I yeah. mean, I would say even higher than drop away or whisker biscuit, or or types of fingers, right? Or, or brands of bows. Like brands, you kind of get people who favor different brands, right? Kind of like the GM Ford kind of debate, but it doesn't get real emotive. Not really, because they're like, oh yeah, there's that Hoyt guy. Yeah, or there's always that Hoyt or, guy. Or I've tried Hoyts and I don't like how they feel, but I like a Matthews or an Elite, and I like how that feels. And people kind of get that, but right. it's when it comes to broadheads, mate. It, it's because we've had that conversation yeah. because I think Hoyts look awesome, and I yeah. would love to shoot a Hoyt, but they don't really make them in my size, and I'm not going to shoot a ladies' bow. Yeah, so... well, although you shoot a Kmart bow, but that's a different. Oh, shoot you! <laughs> I did open that door. Uh, I did open you, that. You did. You moving did. right along. Though. So moving along. So. So we've been talking about the difference in broadheads. So I guess initially, Goody, the one thing I just want to ask you quickly is, what is your preferred broadhead okay. in general? And in then general. We, we can go into specifics later. Okay. But in general, if you were to go out and only buy one, one broadhead, yep. what would it be? You know, you can say, the, good you can say the brand, whatever you want to say. Okay. I've got a very clear answer to that. Two-bladed, cut on contact, without exception. And probably the brand, there's two brands that I prefer, the Outback Supreme, so it's fairly long, narrow head. Um, it's an Australian-made head, and I, I have a feeling the business was sold recently, but I don't know. It's been years since I bought them. I bought a bunch a while back and I've used them up. Or the Widowmakers by Mick Baker. So um, both of them are cut on contact two blades, awesome. and they are razor sharp, right? I mean, they, obviously you have to sharpen them as well, but they can get really, really sharp and as durable as a, as a Mack truck, both of them. So those are the two that I prefer. For any game, if I had a limit of only one head I could take out, that would be it. Use that one on rabbits too. <laughs> you know, it was. It's already getting to the. I'm getting close. I'm having a crack at your mom. I, I'm just telling you right now. You, you're getting one foot closer to that mother insult. But I'm moving on. Um, for rabbits, I use small game heads. So do you prefer like a judo point or like judo a point. solid rubber? Yeah, ones judo or, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Judo, I mean, to be honest, I, it's been a long time since I've. Hunted rabbits with a bow because I usually do it with a shotgun or, or a little twenty-two or something. But years ago when I did it, it would be it'd be with the judo point. Let me ask you your preference, and then we can bounce back and forth as to why. So what? So if you had one head that you could use for all game, what would be the style? Um, okay. I tend to shoot three, three blade bow heads, and I tend to shoot them with a chisel point. Okay. Um, but that a lot of that I think is the nature of what I hunt. Yep. So I guess in I guess in my mind, if I was to say I can only pick one broadhead for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I think it would very much depend on where I was. All right, say in Australia, assuming you're not moving back to the U.S. So, so assuming I'm never going to go back any to the U.S., never go to another another country and hunt. If I was only going to hunt here, I'd still probably shoot a three blade. Okay, interesting. All right. Now that being said, I've never shot pigs. Mm. I've never tried to shoot a pig. Mm. I've also never um, tried to shoot a three-bladed broadhead on a pig specifically. Yep. yep. But I know that anybody who's anybody who's a pig hunter knows that you should use two blades yep. on a pig. Yep. But there are no pigs anywhere near our vicinity, so I'm not that concerned yeah. about it. Yep. Um, but I, I, I normally hunt deer. Um, I've never had a deer 
um, any size. I've shot many different types of deer, um, and I've never had a single one that I couldn't take down quite efficiently and easily with a three blade. Um, and because of that, um, some of them have larger bones like we were talking about last week. Mm -hmm. That's why I like that titanium chisel tip on the end. Okay. So that if I do hit the shoulder, it's going through, and it will get in far enough to, to make the kill. Right. So that's that, if I had one blade, one, one particular broadhead, that would be it. Okay. All right. But I am looking at solid two blades. So, yeah. Have you seen the ones that they've only got the, they're only profiled on one edge and they're opposite on each side? Oh, the single bevel. Single uh, bevel. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Outback made a single bevel head, the Supremes, the version that I shoot. I, I saw no noticeable difference. I, you know, I, I've read a couple of different articles that argue that there's advantage to using it. I haven't seen it in any of my hunting pigs. And that's principally what I, what with I those, those heads. What I find is uh, with the two blade head, and the reason I'm kind of keen, or as a hunt everything head, is, um, if you're going to hunt pigs or buff or feral bull, I think you, you really stay away from the three bladers for a range of reasons. They just don't penetrate as much. And again, every every serious pig hunter I've met or guide, and I've been fortunate to meet a number of hunting guides up in the Cape and up in the Northern Territory, and all of them recommend and use two blade heads. And these guys aren't, these, you know, they're not doing it because they're cheap and they don't want to spend money on an American head that's twice as much. They'll spend unlimited money on the bows, on the arrows, on the camo gear, whatever, but they'll go to a basic two-blade head that ironically typically is cheaper than, you know, a three-blade or a mechanical to hunt pigs to ensure the, the okay. penetration and the durability. So for me, I'd rather have that covered. Probably the only reservation I have about the low profile single blade head of the um, the outback it relates to deer because deer here um, are generally thick country. So if you want a big blood trail, I don't know that you always get it with a two blade head. Although that being said, I've, I've had big blood trails with two blade heads, but certainly the three blade heads or mechanical, if it works well, can leave a huge gaping hole and lots of blood and you can follow deer. Um, and because deer typically go a kilometer or something, you know, just as it turns out, um, if you use a head that doesn't necessarily give you a blood trail, it may make tracking the animal difficult, assuming it runs into thick country and you've got to kind of walk through it. And they don't necessarily die nearby. Whereas goat have thin skins. You, you don't have to worry about blood trails as much because typically when they die, they die. Within a couple steps. Yeah. Or at most maybe 100, 150 meters and you can kind of watch them and usually you're not hunting them in deep, dense scrub. You could be, but typically you're not. So, and overall, the problem I have with the three-blade heads is the way they're designed. If you hit a bone or a shoulder, you've got less of a chisel effect and you've got just one more blade that can kind of get stuck in the bone. Whereas the, the two blade heads, particularly with the little Tanto chisel tip, act as a wood chisel. So if you think about when you chisel a piece of wood and you want to crack it, you think about the way that the head sits, the head of the chisel, and it's the same kind of principle with the two blade heads. I've just ne never had a problems with a two blade head ever. Um, interestingly, I've seen a good friend of mine shoot a mid-sized boar with a three blade muzzy. About 30 meters, maybe uh, maybe a little less, close to that. 
um, good shot, and the penetration sucked. And it was a 70-pound bow, uh, Q2XL from Matthews. I remember because he had the same bow I did. Plenty of power, and, and it hit kind of a good shot. He just didn't get penetration on it. Now, I can't comment on why he wouldn't, other than to say he had everything the same as me except the head. And when I shot a bigger pig later that trip, it went right through it. So, again, I know it's not highly scientific or there's a big kind of sample size. Not even comfortable shooting a three-blade into a pig. I mean, I think he maybe got six, less than six inches of penetration. I, it was awful. And I saw the pig run off. And I, I don't think the pig lived, but I don't think it was immediate kill. So he ran off. Because of where we were, we couldn't follow the trail. Eventually, we kind of resumed a little bit of it and then lost it. But he should that should have been a clear. And mechanicals don't get me started. They're a complete waste of time. Absolute piece of shit. For pigs, yeah. I, I'm starting to think for everything. I don't know, man. I, I'm not a big fan of them. I, I never have been. I used some on that last trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my regular three blades, blades as well, but I took some of the, um, the Muzzy Hybrids. Okay, okay. Which is a... Yeah. Half mechanical, half solid. Okay. And that thing, I mean, it was awesome. Big blood trail, I'm sure. Big wound. I'm well, sure. they died in two steps. I mean, there was no trail to follow. Wow. Okay. And it was it was good. Okay. Um, and that's the one broadhead that didn't break. Okay. Interesting. I'm not sure how. I mean, I did shoot two of them. One of them is obliterated. But the actual, the, the main shaft of it is fine. But just the, the blades are gone. Okay. Down. So I'm sure that's replaceable or something, but um, yeah. But it was, I was surprised at how well they worked, and I've never shot them. And I've always been against mechanicals, kind of my whole, pretty much since they came out when you had to put the little rubber band on them, yeah. and people were having all the issues oh, with them not fuck. opening, and yeah. and so I was kind of in that same camp. Or oh, you don't want to buy those because it's just well, what if it, it doesn't open? Yeah. It's like shooting with a with a field tip, and well, not even that. It ta- even if it opens properly, it consumes a lot of kinetic energy and opening up all that energy to open it up and push it through the um, the skin of the animal could have been used to push penetration further. Yeah, yeah. Right. And my problem with the bloody things, and I've tried them three, twice on deer, once on goat. All three trips, I had one of them open midair. What? You want if we ask what brand those were? Yeah, no, they, and they were a well-known brand. They weren't $2 uh, shop broadheads. I want to say they were well-known. Oh, Steve, you're pushing my memory. I, I want to... There was a company... I, I know at the minute we'll, we'll be done with this podcast. Rage? No, no, no. This was before Rage. Because Rage has the slip back. This was the swing wing style. So you open it They're from folded them. to the front? They're folded... They, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are, the one, those are the ones I don't like. Yeah. Um, the, the Rage were the slip style, I think they call them, or something like that, where you the head goes in and then pushes the out back... And then keeps going through, and then open, and that that cuts it. So it's almost like a two-blade version of a muzzy, in a sense, right? This one was a was the kind that it opened because the little nubs on the razor bit kind of opened out, like pushed against the skin and opened out. And I shot it. And I remember I was twenty meters from a rusa hind. She didn't know I was there. It was beautiful. She stopped and actually laid down 20 meters in front of me. I could not have replicated that circumstance in a million years. Because I'd followed a, a stag in and it lost me. And then I kind of was waiting and she showed up. And I thought, well, mate, I'm getting some back straps here, mate. <laughs> so I drew back. It was perfect. I was relaxed. I had no target panic. I wasn't even in a... It's just breathing. I could feel my form all coming in and thwack. And it opened midair, and I know it opened because I could see the arrow kick 
to my left so bad that I wondered, like, I wondered if it broke. And then it hit this tree that was next to her and made all kinds of racket. Well, she didn't stick around. And I remember thinking, you son of a bitch. And it was, a, I, I want to say I paid like 15 bucks for the head. Like, it wasn't a cheap head because it was from the U.S. I don't, I, I can't remember what the brand was, but I don't think they want me talking about it anyway, to be honest. But yeah, I, I would never again. Now, the Rage is I've heard better things about. Yeah, well, there's a lot of guys that swear by them, particularly the, the, the Rage hypodermic. Yes. Um, yeah. I know a lot of guys shooting them, and they're probably probably the most talked about one at the moment. Yeah. Like, but I still don't get see on a the forum or something. Everybody's still talking about them, whereas, you know, I'm still Thunderheads shoot just fine. I remember Thunderheads. <laughs> they still sell Thunderheads. Well, you know, if they work, they work. It's kind of like the 308 of the bow hunting world. I mean, it, you know, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's. You probably did it. That's what I shot my first deer with. Yeah, you probably shot him. Sorry, 20 second years deer. Ago. Second deer. Okay. First year, Dad bought me these. I don't even know what they were, man. They were they had serrated edges. Oh, see, that's never a good thing. No, I've seen those advertised every now and again. They work, but I mean, it was basically oh, it basically yeah. was a three blade. It looked like a thunderhead, except yeah. that the removable blades were serrated. Yeah, and it was like, oh, they were cool, man. Yeah. Check out these things. Uh, I mean, they look cool, but they uh, they can't cut as well as a fucking razor blade. Like you know, you just can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but now that's funny because. It must cut all right, because I killed that first deer with a 35-pound compound. Yeah, so you might. I mean, I'm sure. Well, in theory, uh, the craziest thing I've ever done, and I don't know if I should admit to this on air, but let's do it. I was I was hunting goats. Welcome to the show. Yes, welcome to the show. Um, I was hunting up in uh, northern New South Wales, property outside of Mudgee. No, it's a little further away from Mudgee. Um, and I had the expandable heads. It was the first time I'd ever hunted with expandable heads. But I also had field points, three or four mechanicals so we're walking around and it was fairly mountainous and we were kind of coming up i was with a, another guy from the archery club and we were coming kind of up around this bend and as we turned around circle around a bit of an outcropping there was a goat a male goat old fella that was lying on the track and he almost looked like he was dead he was just he was lying down really weird in the end it turned out to be quite an old animal um anyway and kevin was with me and he said oh man it's it's a goat. I said, yeah, but it's dead. I figured somebody else had shot it and left it or it, or it had died just of natural causes, whatever. No, it's still alive. And I'm sitting, we're sitting there arguing for about 30 seconds about whether it's alive or dead. It stood up. And, well, it didn't even stand up. It kind of just moved and kind of like slowly worked its way up. I mean, this thing wanted to die that day, right? Yeah, yeah. So I drew, I grabbed an arrow, drew back, shot. Lovely, lovely shot, right? Good, dub, double lung position, perfect. But it went in about... Oh, three, four inches. And both Kevin and I look at each other and I said, oh, fanical bastards, right? And, and I said, so a goat runs off and I'm cursing myself thinking, oh, shit, now i got to follow this thing up. I looked down and I realized oh, that arrow and head didn't do anything it wasn't supposed to do. It performed exactly as it was because it was the field point. I grabbed the wrong arrow. It was the wrong end. All of my expandables or mechanical heads and, the, and this goat was wearing an arrow with a field point. How, how do you do that? Because we it was on the one end. It was on the wrong end. I normally, when on my bow quiver, I normally put the arrow I'm going to use furthest away. Right? Really? J just because of the way I grip. It's just the habit I've gotten into. I've always done it. The arrow I'm going to use, I use it furthest away. And then I, I thought I was more likely to run into rabbits on this property than I would a goat. So I thought, okay, 
I'll have the field tip ready. Yes. Well, wasn't I smart? The funny thing was, the animal was so old and weak, it died within 30, 40 meters anyway. That's great. It was, it was absolutely insane. And I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I'm not advocating using field points. I now never bring field points out of the field. Like, I learned a whole lot of lessons in that one go. I now actually make sure I look at the arrow. I mean, it was just, it was one of those days where all these lessons were learned at once. But, the, I mean, the good thing is it died quickly. Like, it didn't go very far. Yeah, yeah. And he was absolutely dead. Blood was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Right? So in that sense, it must have been a good hit. It just, it was a fluke hit. So my point is, you can kill shit with a field point. <laughs> well, of course you can. Uh, right, so. Of course you can. I think to your point about the serrated edges, yeah, of course you can kill stuff with it, right? If I can kill a goat with a field point by mistake, you can kill a deer with a, a 35-pound bow and a serrated edge. I think the issue I have with broadheads more generally... I was 14 yards. Okay. 14 yards. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. That's lovely and close. You have to be that close when you shoot of course. that light of a bow. I mean, I otherwise think I was, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce off. I don't remember if I was 10 or 12. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so the thing I've got with the broadhead debate is not whether or not a broadhead can kill, because all broadheads can kill. Oh yeah. Right. All field tips can kill. All field tips can kill. Um, Maybe rubber blunts can't. (laughs) Except I'm. Oh, if you hit him in the head. Yeah. Yeah, be good. Not a deer in the heart. (laughs) Probably not what you want to be shooting. Put at the base of the spine. You might. You might kill Uh, a deer with it. You know what? Let's let's leave that one for the. Another bro. Another I'm not bro. saying. I'm not saying that we should hate. Yeah. Hey, you should go out and do this. I'm yeah. saying it could. Yeah, that you certainly could do it. So, I think the question is, and we come back to the ethics of all of this. And I know ethics will be a, a topic for the podcast coming up. Is if you work on the ethical basis, they want to give the animal the the greatest likelihood of a quick, clean kill. The question you've got to ask yourself is what. What will your broadhead and broadhead style do on a marginal shot? Now, that being said, who decides that? Because. Well, since I plan on running the world, I'll decide. Yeah, well, there's that. (laughs) But, you know. Well, let's have a common understanding. Do we believe that the primary aim of a kill shot should be a quick, clean, single kill? Yes. I mean, that's the starting point, right? And I don't know too many people who feel differently than that, really. But going back to the topic with the broadheads, Mm -hmm. the stuff that we're talking about, the reason this is such a highly debated topic is because what you're talking about right now is the argument that people have. It's about the ethics of the broadhead. Mm. Not about the effectiveness, but about the ethics of the broadhead. Yeah, usually. Well, no, I, no, I, I disagree. Hold on. I think they also talk about the effectiveness. From a, which gets it done better. Right. But, but underpinning that is the ethical consideration. But the thing about that is, is most of the people who are saying that, you can almost guarantee that they've never shot the other broadhead. Okay. I mean, how many guys do you know that have shot 10 different brands of broadheads in their well, lives? Well, I, I think the older you get as a hunter, you experiment more. I mean, I don't know too many people who've been shooting the same head for 30 years. Let's right. just let's say something just really quick, just because we have had a few people ask. I'm just going to say this is a kind of a blanket, quick statement, so we're not going to go into it and spend a lot of time do it talking about it. But you've been hunting for how many years? Let's call it 20. 20 years, right? So Ah, uh, 23, but 20. 
Right, and I'm I'm about thirty. Yeah. About thirty years. So between the two of us, we have fifty years of hunting experience. Yeah. yeah. So we're not just, you know, we didn't start hunting yesterday. Yeah. We didn't get. I didn't go to Kmart and buy my bow <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. And get and my I'm broadheads. Now I got some broadheads from China. <laughs> and I'm on my way out. Yeah. So um, we do know what we're talking about. Are we experts? No, we learn new things every day, just like everybody else. And and if anybody says they know everything, well, they're full of it. Yeah. But um, yeah. But I think that's that's kind of a thing that we should probably just touch on. But when we're talking about broadheads. Now, one of the big arguments, particularly here in Australia, is don't buy Chinese broadheads. Okay. That's a huge thing here. Yeah. Don't buy the cheap, junk Chinese yeah. broadheads, okay? And as a rule, I generally subscribe to that. Agreed. So, because generally, you, you have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah. You know? Can you get some excellent broadheads from China? Sure. Because pretty much all broadheads come from China. Yeah. Let's be honest. So, but if you were to step onto in a forum... Here in Australia, and people are saying, "Buy this one, buy this one, buy this one," right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know for a fact, mm-hmm. as well as I do, that most of the Australian brands are Australian-owned, but not Australian-made. I can only think of two that I'm aware of that are made in Australia. But for the most part, yeah. the majority of it are not. Yeah. And you and I have had this conversation before about how you can have some excellent broadheads made in China. And sell them here, but you need to really be on top of the, you know, the quality assurance and making sure that they're not sending through. The one, the one guy I know that that sells a fairly popular brand and one that I shoot and that I highly endorse um, has his made in China. Um, But I also know the effort he went to to make sure that the quality was up to scratch. And I know, I mean, I think he was telling me, you know, he would get just hundreds of heads that were wrong that he'd have to spin test every batch of 100 heads and, you know, he'd send them back. And eventually, the manufacturer got it right. But that, to me, is the difference between going on eBay and getting, you know, the, the cheapest 20 heads you can get for 10 bucks, or having somebody who's serious about quality but also wants to manage the cost. Because the problem with producing in Australia is it would be cost prohibitive. And that's it, really. I mean, you'd be paying 40 bucks a head. Easy, if you were to have them made here. Yeah, by Easy. Yeah, Because it's so expensive to have every, anything made here. Anything made. So, so um, I, I've talked to you about this a little bit. I, I've kind of been hearing a lot of rumors about how, like we know that most of the broadheads are made in China, but we also hear a lot of rumors about how there's a lot of patent theft in China. Yes. And so yeah. somebody will make the exact same yeah. like broadheads or whatever, you know, wooden spoons or something. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous, right? They'll make the exact same thing. Yeah in the same exact factory and yeah. just put their own packaging on it yeah. and sell it for like a tenth of the cost of what yeah. they're selling it for in the other one. Yeah. So after my last goat hunt, we talked about a little bit how it's really expensive to shoot goats, yeah. particularly up yeah. where there's all these shales because your, your arrows are blowing up. And I went through a ton of broadheads and I said, I just don't want to spend that much money on broadheads if I'm just shooting goats because it doesn't seem to take much mm. to take one down. Um, so you know what? I'm going to test this theory. Okay. And so I was like, I'm going to look around on eBay mm-hmm. and see if I can find what looks like a decent head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Vantage Point Archery Heads, mm-hmm. v- VPAs. Yeah. It's a cut on contact three blade. Yeah, yeah. So it's all one, solid, yeah. one solid piece of metal, but it's yeah. fluted. And so I saw these, this Chinese knockoff of them. And I said, well, I'm going to 
I'm gonna order these, and I wanna I'm gonna get them home. I'm gonna put them on the spin test, and I'm gonna see how they spin, and then I'm gonna shoot them at some stuff and see what happens. No. Not necessarily take them hunting, but I wanna I wanna check them out because I have a feeling that maybe, just maybe, yeah. this particular broadhead is a VPA broadhead made in possibly the same factory. I don't I don't know if VPAs are made in the U.S. or if they're made in China. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna speculate. I'm just saying that they look identical. Yeah. Like either that or someone has taken a VPA broadhead and, and copied it and copied it and reverse engineered it. So I bought uh, a full dozen okay. for twenty dollars Australian, which is like fifteen dollars US Jeez. with free shipping. Jeez. So quite frankly, if they spin good and they shoot good, yeah. I'll be using those broadheads. Yeah. I think for for goats. And again, uh, I, if if we think about just if I could just cut in, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because I think if you get a good quality product. Hmm. For a better price, great. Mm. I think the fact that you're spin testing it, you're gonna you're gonna do penetration tests. You're gonna make sure that they don't you know fall apart when you shoot them. I think that's the important bit because what I would be concerned about is somebody says, oh, I can get and particularly more mechanicals. I can get a bunch of mechanicals for real cheap on eBay or Alibaba or wherever. Yeah. And then you're gonna shoot that into an animal and you haven't tested it and you're not confident. I think it would be horrible to do that. Because you'd have an animal that could be receiving a head that you don't know if it works. And you don't know... You know what concerns me the most about that? Is there's no hunting in China. Yeah, but it's just a manufactured good. Right, right, right. But they're not... What, what I mean is there's no product testing. Really. Yeah. Not really. When you think about it. Because there's no hunting in China. Yeah. Compound bows are illegal in China. So, they can make them and sell them, but they can't shoot them. Yeah. So, I guess... I guess the whole thing is just a little bit... Of a, yeah, uh, a little bit. Is there anybody who's making that head that gives a shit whether it'll be workable on an animal? Right, or they're like, hey, if I knock these out really quick, they're gonna take, they're gonna cost me like three cents, and I'm gonna sell them for twenty bucks. Yeah, and I'm gonna make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, which is probably really what's happening. Yeah, no, that's it, that's it. So, but getting back to the to the ethical issue because I think it's important to circle back is if we work on the basis that we talked about that we should do everything we could or can do to ensure that the animal dies with a one clean, quick kill shot. Then the issue around the different types of broadheads and their effectiveness becomes more relevant when we're talking about marginal shots. Okay, so how many people do you know of have shot all of these different broadheads and done a test with like gel box or shot them through wood, and literally took the exact same arrow shooting out of the exact same bow with all different broadheads, and actually did a penetration test. Um, I, I, I think... Because I don't know one that's I, actually I, I, done no, that. No, no, no. Particularly good, good the big mouths on no, forums. No. Good, good I guarantee questions. they haven't done it. Uh, but I do know... Well, in terms of the same arrow with the same bow and the same poundage, uh, I think that's not uncommon, right? Because people generally, adults particularly, don't change their draw length. Usually, true. Um, they don't change their poundage often. Obviously, as you get older, yeah. you, you wind down. It's not something you do every Saturday. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and you start it's like changing your underwear. Yeah, that's what's well, every Saturday. It's like changing really. your underwear. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, I think so. You can count on that end of it, right? It's being pretty yeah. consistent. Then, if you ask me, how many of those people have tried multiple types of heads? Most of them have. I know very few. Australian hunters that haven't tried all of them 
because not? I think they become fashionable, right? So I think the guy, like the guys that I just went out recently, I think between the the three of them, there was ten different broadheads, different brands. So we're gonna try this one. Or we're gonna try see this. that. I, I've got more of an issue. I'm talking about in terms of cycles. So this year I've bought black stumps. And, I, you know, I like them. I've read good things. Or I've read good things. Or a guy I hunted with, his, you know, had good results, so I'm going to do it. So they buy a couple dozen black stumps. And then for the next year or two, they use black stumps. And then the next year they hear about a, a mechanical that's good, usually from U.S. magazines or U.S. kind of sources. And they buy them. And then they go out and use them. Or they rotate to another Australian brand or they do something. So for me, I, I think... I would probably say 80% of the hunters I know, maybe even more, I'll go 90%, have tried almost all of the heads if they've hunted for any length of time. So I'm pretty comfortable that you can get a really good indicator from the sample population that I know and the, and the, the collective experiences and the feedback I've received. Again, I haven't hunted everything with them and I wasn't there to, to determine the variables and all the rest of it. But in my mind... I'm satisfied from the experience I've had and the experiences that I've been able to um, glean from scores, if not dozens of hunters, that I think there is a view that two-blade cut-on-contact heads are overall the best heads you can get and the most yeah. ethical head. That's definitely the um, the consensus in Australia. Yeah, yeah by far. By the far. U.S.? Absolutely Probably, not. Yeah, yeah no, a very different view. And I think if it comes to... And I think the reason why is if you look at... If you look at the three types of heads, so you've got two-blade, you've got multi-blade, so three or four, yeah, yeah. and then you've got the mechanical head. I think you can look at each of them as having pros and cons. And so if we go through the individual categories, you've got the two-blade cut-on contact, so the two-blade heads. Their main con, really, is you've got to sight them in, and they fly differently than your field points. And they generally tend to group a little bit bigger, generally, right? So you have to spend more time tuning it, your bow, shooting with the arrows and the heads, getting your, you know, getting your sight right, because oftentimes it's a left or right thing. Bow set up for those heads. That, well, right, let, me, let me cut you off there on that one, because what you're saying makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. What is that? Because you say that, you know, your, your group gets bigger and you have to adjust your sights left yeah. and right. Whereas if you're if you're shooting the appropriate arrow with the appropriate weights and spines for that bow, it shouldn't change. Uh, maybe. No, no, I'm not saying it always I'm saying that's the main thing. Kind of, like there's actually there's other issues, right? Or yeah. But my point is that that's that it's very difficult, and I know very few people that can shoot a bunch of field points, put their broadheads on, and they're shooting exactly the same size group in the same area. But if you can, great. But most people I know can't. So that's the big downside, right? That that you've got to typically set up the bow, right, for those heads. Here's the pros of those heads, though. Fantastic penetration. And if you think about how they're shaped, there's less resistance, the cut-on-contact bit, chips through bones and shoulders and ribs and all the rest of you hit it and again on a marginal shot that's where you're likely so if you shoot too far forward into a shoulder it can kind of has more penetration and typically you've got decent cutting room and they tend to be more durable you know they're solid piece of steel they may bend but more often than not they don't they take a pounding outside of hitting the animal so you hit a tree you can pull it out it's not bent you can hit a rock 
and it scratches it or you know mess up, but it doesn't affect the flight. So those are the those are the specs and the and the advantages and disadvantages of those sets. Then you look at the the, the multi blade head. I, I think the multi blade head has the same the same cons, but not as much as the two blades for the flight accuracy. I think they fly differently than field points as a rule. Again, some do, some don't. It depends on the bow being tuned and who's shooting what. But by and large, you generally have to adjust, but not as much, I find. I think the main advantage they have is, man, do they leave a blood trail. Yeah, good blood. Fantastic wounds, big open, you know, on both sides, coming in and coming out, right? Yeah. Big, big wound. That's true. I, I think they tend to be less durable because they've got the thinner blades, and if that hits something, you bend it. And then, you know, you have to either replace the blade or the whole head if they don't have the, the replacement blades. And I don't think they get the same penetration in things like bone or really thick hide on a pig or something. They can. I think as a rule, if you think about it physics-wise, they can't. It is, it's like pushing a knife through a piece of steak versus a spoon. A spoon could cut it and get through some of it. A knife is sharper, right? But that being said, I'm talking in generalities here, right? I, I think they're still they still are effective. The mechanicals, I think the main main advantage is that they fly reasonably similar to field points. Yeah. That's been my experience. Every time I've used Yeah, them, well technically they're supposed to fly. That's their main advantage. So particularly if you're taking longer shots or if you're worried about wind or you're worried about your form or you or there's some other reason why you don't want to spend the time to sight your bow in to those heads, they're great. And, I, and I've actually done that. I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of that. Particularly when I was hunting goats with them, I'd say, look, I've got my field tips shot in. I'll leave the field tips at home. I take the, the mechanicals and they, they work roughly the same. I've never had a problem. And, I've, and when we shot them into the sand targets and all that stuff and the practice heads, they're perfect. I think their other advantage is they make a huge hole because typically they're built... To what, so that when they open, you know, you've got an inch and a half round of a hole, right? Or two inches. Yeah, two inches. So that's huge. So if you do well... I think the biggest one I've seen is two and a quarter. I mean, that's that's a huge wound channel. Here's the problem. I don't think they penetrate nearly as well as the other two, largely because of the kinetic energy that's used up in opening them when they hit the animal. And also, man, they're not durable. Man, they're not durable. I reckon... You, bend wings, you bend the thing, you bend the, the feral. I, I, I've just never seen a whole pack of them survive a hunting trip. Yeah, I, I wonder if, like, you know, I, I have no issues with two blades, mm. right? I, I shoot three blades, but I have no issues with two yeah. blades. I guarantee I will own some two blades in the future, <laughs> you know, particularly yeah. if we ever do pig hunting together yeah. or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I hear it from you every week, yeah. take two dozen arrows yeah. and... Make sure you got two blade broadheads yeah. and lots of them. That's it. And bring your sharp ringing stuff. You know, and that's fine. That's cool. And, you know, and I'm I'm 100 on board with that. But I think a lot of that stuff has to do with what you're hunting and yeah. where you're hunting. I agree. And so in Australia, you know, from what you've said and from what I've learned from other hunters around the area, two blades are the, are the way to go, particularly with big animals like yeah, yeah. buffs and like. Um, Pigs, the feral, feral bull. Now, we're talking Anti. about the pig. In my mind, I, I'm struggling with the idea. Not that I don't believe you and not that I wouldn't buy two blades. I struggle with the idea that I couldn't get a clean kill with a three blade. 
The reason I say that is because the argument that's had, aside from mud, the argument that's had is the longer hair and the thicker skin. Well, and the big pads. No, no, and they and, and boar have a big, thick shoulder pad, particularly the boar, and, and it's big. It's not just a little thicker. It's a big chunk of meat. I've taken black bear with not, a three not blade. The same. Not the same. Thick skin. Yeah. Big shoulders. Yeah. Not the same. Tons of fat. Tons of hair. Uh, Way more hair. Than I I will reserve my answer for when we get back from our pig trip, and you'll see what I'm talking about, particularly up north. The, the territory and the Cape. Different so let me ask you a question. Hypothetical question. And I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So if, let's say you and I go up to the Cape together and we go up pig hunting. Mm-hmm. And we go up and we see your buddy Mick and we have a podcast with him up there or yeah. whatever. And let's say I've got two dozen arrows yeah. and I've got tons of two blade broadheads. Yeah. But I bring that one three blade. You're going back on the plane. You're going to let me shoot it? Nope. No? No. No, well, let me give you my experience. And and Mick will back me up, by the way. Mick's more militant than I am. Like, he'll tell people, like, don't get on the fucking plane if you're going to bring the three blades or mechanicals. Just don't do it. Like, he'll knock back clients. That's how... And and this is a bloke that won't turn money down, right? (laughs) Right? He'd sell his his mom for a bag of chips, right? So don't... I mean... And again, every guy that I've talked to, that I've 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 had the fortune to get, I've, I've probably gone with... Probably eight or nine, you know, good quality guides, guys that know what the fuck they're talking about, um, so, and they've all said the same. So, here's what my experience has been, and this and this was the epitome of what every other story I've heard. The bigger question is not what Mick would say, but what would your grandpappy say? My grandpappy would say, "Bring two blades." Actually, my grandfather would say, "Why are you hunting pig? One, it's not kosher. Secondly, what? go down to the deli. You can get a nice piece of meat." Mortimer's got it on spend. A nice pastrami. A nice pastrami and right. So getting back to uh, the thing, it, I think if we look at, or if I go back to my experience with it, and it's the epitome of what I've heard from everyone else. Guy, I remember a young guy came with a mate with us. He was a target shooter. This guy was a much better shot than both Bob and I were. Could, could shoot us into the group. He had these expensive arrows with these small little three blade heads that were all the rage in the US at the time and I can't remember what they were called but he lost every single pig that he shot with them for the first three days and I, I think I, I think Brad who was the guy was still is this the one, is this the guy that you ended up lending no that was a different guy I wound up um, I wound up selling a guy you're a nice that. guy because I don't know anybody that would be like here, take these broadheads and use these instead because broadheads aren't cheap. Well, but the problem is I'd rather do that than have this bloke, one, have a shitty trip, but also wound a bunch of animals. Yeah, well, right? Like, there was, I mean, these were pigs that are now going to have to be followed up or, or die. Or die a slow, horrible death. Yeah. Right? So in a tropical environment, they would have been dead within three, four days, but it would have been a horrible death. Why? Because this guy was using the wrong gear. So eventually, he had, this guy had two blade heads where his mate did. That's right. And his mate gave him the heads and they shot all over the place initially and he had to go down to the target area. Spent, I think, probably an hour or so, let's call it two hours, sighting everything in. And, and guess what? That afternoon, came back with a pig and then came back with pigs the rest of the time. Now, you could make all kinds of arguments about, oh, it's where you hit it and how good of a shot you are and all that stuff. But 
This bloke was as good a shot as anybody I've seen at the archery club, much better than me, and he was having problems killing pigs, and it was because of those heads. Mm-hmm. And again, if you talk to Mick, and we're all up in Cape York, and we're all hanging out, Mick will, after a couple of rums, he'll be real free to tell you about how many assholes he's had come up there with the wrong heads, and he's and he's finished. Why do I have this funny feeling that he's going to tell you that whether you ask or not? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's, I have to, in my mind, I've never met Mick. Yeah. And we've talked about possibly having him on, on the show here. Um, but just the idea that I have, because I've never met him, I don't know anything about him except for what I've been told. And in my mind, that that is what he says around the fire every night. Well, he's got an opinion on everything. So he's one of those blokes that, um, he's kind of like your drunk uncle. I've got a couple of I've got a couple of good friends in, in Northern Queensland, and I think it's a regional thing. It must be because every everybody I know from up there is very they have their opinion. Yeah. Their opinion is right, yeah. and you are wrong if well, you don't. Agree. I don't know if Mick thinks anybody's wrong, but he's not afraid to share his view. Hmm. And, and well, and particularly that's his business, right? Because he's and, and he takes it very seriously. Um, well, he, yeah, I can understand. I mean, you know, if like he's he, dealing with people, you know, wounding animals and not doing good things. I mean, that's his, that's his whole. Yeah. So and also somebody else gets fucking hurt with that shit up there, right? Yeah. So all it takes is for one of the local jackaroos up there, farmhands, to be driving around managing cattle and stumble across a wounded boar, and charge him and t- tear his legs up, and then you know what we've got problems. So yeah, but uh, I, I, I look, my view is I, I agree with you on the on your premise that it depends on what you shoot because I think the main disadvantage to the two blades. Is particularly with deer, and I think I, I mentioned guess, that before. Because, I guess for me, I think it's like you wouldn't try to use a Phillips head screwdriver to to screw a flathead screw in. No, it wouldn't work. No, no. So I guess for me, it's it's a, it's all about the tool. Yeah. And so if you're going to use the tool, yeah. you need the right tool for the job. But I guess what might be the right tool for a specific animal may not be the same right tool for another animal. And at the risk of being controversial. Because you like your two blades. Because I love my two blades. I think you could use that tool for anything except for... Rabbits. Certainly except for rabbits. <laughs> yeah. Um, except for probably a small species of deer. Do well, that's the ethical question for next week. Okay. <laughs> right. um, is, the, um, is a small deer, like a hog deer. And the reason why is not because of penetration, but because all of those heads will penetrate because they're small animals. But if they're in pretty thick really you know hard to track country and those animals bound away after they've been shot and they will i think a, a three blade or four blade or an expandable or mechanical has the ability to leave a, a bigger blood trail than a, a, a low profile two blade head mm. not that they that they can't but we're in agreement that the right tool for the job equals a good clean ethical kill and is a two blade <laughs> Okay. Okay. You haven't you haven't one hundred percent turned me yet. No, no, and I I'm not one hundred percent turned. Granted, I will have I have two blades to use for specific animals, which is I mean, like I've been told by a, a hundred different people, you you including you, you know, if you're going to Africa, take nothing but two blades. Yes, blades yes, and well. I, I, I firmly believe. That. And that's fine, and I, and I totally agree with that. Um, and I'm happy to take everyone's opinions and and advice. and their advice on that because you've lived there, you've hunted yeah. there. Um, a lot of the friends that have told me that they're all they're actually guides there, yeah. um, or they're guys who've spent a lot of time hunting there, and so like I'm gonna listen because that's really what we should be doing. Yes. We shouldn't yeah. take, hey, 
I know everything about everything, so I'm going to do this. Except for two blades, because I know everything about two blades. Your mother. Wait, what? Yeah, that's it. My grandpappy said. Your grandpappy said that your mother. Yeah. Yeah. Mother is that. Now, we we don't have time to go into the other topic. Okay. So I have a shorter topic that we're going to jump into quickly. Can you continue? Because I know you've got an appointment to be at soon. I'd like to have a quick conversation since we're talking about my Kmart bow. I think oh, I'd like here we go. I think I'd like here to talk a little bit more about. I got a little upset last week. I think we'd like to talk a little bit more about the uh, the shade tree bow mechanic. The shade tree bow mechanic. The shade tree okay. bow mechanic. Okay. So. Yeah, that's that's the guy who fixes the car out under the tree and uses the the tree limb to hoist out the engine, and, you know, and has everything up. That on, sounds like my uses, uses blocks instead of jack stands, and you know, so there's there's some there's some them people out here in in the in the in the world, um, and some even in our area, who yes, yes. who are very good at um, being cheap. <laughs> some of us call it frugal. And, and creating their own... Some like to call it a bespoke archery solution. I think the one thing I'd like to talk about the most... Uh-huh. I see where this is going. Go initially. On. Yes. Are your, your custom, high-end, ergonomic, <laughs> possibly even stealth stabilizers. See... Because you, because usually you have two different bows. You're, you're, you're a good hunter. You have a backup bow, okay. so you know when you go on a hunting trip, you always have a second, second bow. bow. Always bring you're it. a smart guy. You've had enough experience to be yeah. like, I'm not dumb. I'm gonna take a second bow. So tell us a little bit about your heat-seeking, stealth-wearing stabilizers you got there. All right. <laughs> the short answer is, I was looking for a stabilizer, and I was going on the internet, World Wide Web. The source of all light and knowledge. <laughs> and I was, well, first, no, I lied. First, I went to the archery retailers in um, in Australia, which, quite frankly, could put the diamond stores in the in Manhattan to shame in terms of markup and price. I know, right? Oh, my word. It's And I, I get it. And I can say that because I, I actually run a company <laughs> here in Australia, an archery company. And... Yeah. and um, I know what the markup is oh, because my. I buy wholesale, and I'm like, really? That's wholesale yeah. here? So I know exactly what Yeah, and I get about. it. There's a lot of overhead here and labor costs and all this, but man, this are. So I said, uh, basically, my summary was, I-, I ain't paying that for something to hang off my bow. So I went on Internet World Wide Web. <laughs> source of all light and knowledge. Source of all light and knowledge. And I said, well, let me see what I can get. And I, I actually wasn't particularly enamored with the price on the web. I checked Cabela's and Bass Pro and all those places. And by the time he shipped it here, and, and we've got funny stories about Cabela's changing its shipping policy over the years to Australia. So I couldn't really count on what it would cost. So I said, let me figure this out. What exactly is a stabilizer? It's basically something heavy that screws into the front of your bow. Now, the the, the, the front of the bow has that unique thread, the 30 the 832nd UNF, Unified Fine Thread or whatever. So I went actually down to the local hardware chain, Bunnings, which this podcast is brought to you by. Get more for less. Uh, and bought some <laughs> some screws. And get some sausages. <laughs> and get a mean bloody sausage. On a piece of bread. Yeah, for about three bucks, but it goes to your local footy club. That's right. Whoever happens to be there. So day. I figured, well, this, I can actually make it. So I'd get a tubing. So... And then filled it with lead, 
mm-hmm. and then capped it off, drilled it through the end hole into the head of the screw and all the way through and then put a pin in and it works. Now, some would say it doesn't look particularly professional. You know, though, if, if <laughs> quite literally, I, I'll be honest, the one that has the arrow parts on it. Yes. That, if, if you painted that, yeah, like that would look possibly store-bought. Well, let me tell you about that one. Because I decided, ill-advisedly, I might add, to do a bit of target archery. Now, for those of you that don't know, <laughs> I have the eye-hand coordination of a duck asset. I think I mentioned that last time. So I'm never going to... they don't even have hands. And they could still shoot better than me when it comes to target <laughs> stuff. I, I just don't have... You know what? I just... I ain't going to get there from here. So... I thought, well, maybe I'll do some target shooting. I didn't buy a target bow, but a more target type bow, bigger bra- um, brace height, a little more forgiving and longer. It wasn't as fast and all that stuff. A Matthews, by the way, lovely bow. A Z7. Did you get that at Kmart? No. Oh, no, big w. I got that. Sorry, at, big w. I, I got, well, big w. actually, I was going to say the cheap discount store, but I'll go Cheapest Chips. Yeah. Cheapest Chips. This podcast brought to you today you buy, by Cheap Chips. chips. <laughs> you get more for less. <laughs> so, um, Spend less. Spend less, get more. So I, I, I figured, you know what? I'm not going to pay like 200 bucks for a fancy pants like an target stabilizer. So I figured, what are they made of? Thin graphite tubes with kind of capping at the either end. Mm-hmm. And one, one end was weighted and you screwed it into the front of your bow. And I also had one of those, um, I kind of made a triangular thing so that you can have the two side bar kind of stabilizers. Oh, you got the sidebar mount uh, built? Yeah. Yep. So I had a whole bunch of brochetti arrows. So all I did was cut them <laughs> to the right lengths <laughs> and then attach them with inserts and capping at one end and then I could extend it and then I could kind of do to the sidebar. And it took me, I reckon, about a good hour, hour and a half with a lot of aerodite, a little bit of super glue. Super glue, yep, okay. And um, right, it worked. Okay. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> it looks completely ridiculous. But all I'm doing is hanging weight off the end of the bow. Why do I need it to be fancy? Why am I going to pay a couple hundred bucks for it? Well, I can answer that if you really want to hear it. But Please. Okay. So, yeah, it's graphite and, you know, it's basically a, a carbon tube. But um, the entire purpose of the stabilizer is not just to have weight on the end of your bow but it's also to remove some of the vibration and 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 have correct droppage where the weight comes in so that it falls forward in a perfect way and it and so when you pull it up on target it's the right weight so that it you're straight directly on target without having to raise or lower and that's kind of the gist of stabilize that's a bunch of sjw bullshit what's sjw social justice warrior i'm blaming everything on them I'm blaming everything on um, Antifa. It's a bunch of Antifa. That's a, that's an, a bunch, bunch of Antifa bullcrap. So, so, see, that's I mean, an Antifa, Antifa bow. The fascists who are out beating people because they're fascists. Fascists, yeah. Man, yeah. That's right. So, um, you know what it's about? It's about hanging the weight off the bow. Don't give me any of that shit. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. Let's move on. Hold, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because I'm going to say this. If it ever comes to the point where my shooting capability is down to me having a bad stabilizer that i made that i'm doing way better than i am <laughs> i'm happy to get to that point my first homemade stabilizer was made out of pvc pvc part that's did you learn how to make that on youtube did you no no this is pre-youtube man <laughs> so i got a cap screwed it through on the 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 832nd thread did all that stuff you know i've seen and, that 
You've got that on your desk. Your little your little arrow desk. Your little bow desk. It, you did when you did when I picked that Hoyt up off you. Oh, uh, maybe. Because yeah. I said, "What the heck is that?" And you're like, "You like that, mate?" No, 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 no. That's different. That was a that was a steel pipe one. That was, was a steel pipe. This is PVC. Oh, maybe I still do. Well, this one didn't last. Let me tell you the story. So at the time, I read somewhere that <laughs> the high-end stabilizers had oil in them so that that to help with the balance and all that stuff, that it had oil, an amount of oil that would shift as you shot the bow. And it would create kind of a, an even kind of... Slow inertia. Slow inertia kind of thing, right? Kind of so I figured, well, yep. let's fill it up with some cooking oil. So I filled it up part of the way, and I gave it to a friend of mine. I said, "Mate, this is it. This will it out. This will fix all you did." That's my friend Bob. I get a phone call from Bob <laughs> after his first hunting trip. He's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "You know that brilliant stabilizer you made me?" I said, "Yeah. Did it work?" He's no. Couldn't even get it past airport. <laughs> he goes, "Apparently, they went to check." Like, he, he had to open up his bow case and everything. I don't know why, because I don't know how the... I think it must have leaked through the bow case, and it was leaking out of the bow case. Okay, they're like, what's in your bag, Yeah, sir? basically, it's what's in your bag. What's in your bag? So, um, He's like, I yeah, realized at that point... We can fry up some hot chips. <laughs> That's right. He then described my mother in most colorful terms, and me in most colorful terms. And then, I think he basically said, don't ever give stabilizer ever again. I'm never trying it, which I accepted. Um, and then I realized that perhaps my career in archery gear production <laughs> might be a little... Yeah. Might be limited. Might be done. Might be limited. Yeah, so... Um, so now so, we just talk about archery production gear. Yeah. Yeah. But what you haven't mentioned, most disappointingly, string stop. Well... Mate, mate. You know, I thought that might need its own podcast. Mate. An old limb saver, one of those limb saver little yeah. rubber bits, yeah. but buttons. So, Cost me nothing. It fell off my bow and I picked it up. So Goody has this this string stop on his Bowtech. Yes. On the Bo oh, and the Matthews. I've got one for the Matthews as well. Oh yeah. Okay. So it, it needed a string stop, and neither bow came with one. Is that no, correct? Of course, that'd be ridiculous. Did it come with one? No. Yeah, I don't think so. So that was back when it was an optional thing. <laughs> so, anyways, but it had the it had the threaded hole in it. Yeah. So Goody decides, hey, guess what? <laughs> hey, mate, I'm going back to Bunnings. I'm gonna go give me a sausage and a coke. The extra onions, it's a stuff, and they're gonna make one, and it's gonna be alright. Watch this! Hold my beer! So then he goes down to Bunnings and he buys him another threaded rod and a bunch of nuts. Yeah. You got a ton of nuts on there. I've got two big nuts. Two big nuts. Two big nuts. In fact, that's the name, that's the brand name I'll call it. Two, two big, big nuts. nuts string stuff. Big enough to haul a dub truck. <laughs> <laughs> two big nuts. Two big nuts. Anyways, Diggs is limb saver. And what I mean by limb saver is the one with the self-adhesive that you yeah. stick on the limb. It popped off the bow. Yeah, it actually popped off. So so he says, you know what, I'm going to put that on the end of here, and that's going to stop my string on the end of this long threaded rod with the nuts on it. Big nuts. Well, because you had to join the two rods. Right. And so then I'm like, man. So I'm looking at this thing. I, I never really looked at it until the day I changed your bow strings. Yeah. Man, what is this nonsense? And I'm like, how did you even get that on there? <clears throat> and so what I realized... Why don't you ask me? You forced it in and you zip-tied it on there. Yeah, because what I did was I ground the head of the screw just to get it a bit of smaller. And then I gouged open the limb saver at the base, pushed it in. That's right. And then zip-tied it. But what you didn't... 
You haven't cut the edge off yet. I haven't got there yet. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's where I'm going next. Okay, That's what go you're talking about? No, go ahead. Okay, so then then he's got contact happening with the cable when when he comes to full draw. And it's just, he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I can't pull my ball. So then, he, then I, I, it looks like you took it to a, a sander or grinder <laughs> and just, maybe a Dremel grinder, I don't know. It but he's just drum. like, zzzz. Right, so he's ground off the side of it. So now it's like a half moon, right? <laughs> and, but but it clears. Yeah. See. And it clears. And does it shoot amazing? What magic? What no. magic? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And and look, I shoot with Goody every week. We shoot together as often as possible because I mean, let's let's face it. The reason the reason that we have this podcast is because we shoot together. And because all no the one time. else will shoot with us. And because nobody else will shoot with us. All the parole officers are told. <laughs> that's right. We can only shoot with ourselves. That's right. But we're, I, we're just lucky the parole officers let us shoot together. Yeah, well, that's it. Right, right, that's right, it. Right. I, yeah. Again, I had to go through several meetings to get that to happen. But, I know. But all, and all I know I'm your lawyer and he's an ass. What, <laughs> <laughs> what we need to talk about yeah. is the special adhesive I used around the nuts to make sure they wouldn't... This is like J.B. Weld or something. It's Aerodite, man. Aerodite. 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 Maybe we should get Aerodite. Aerodite. Get more for less. <laughs> if you guys have anything that you need to be held together that will be held with the firm tenacity of a woman scorned. Use Aerodite. Use Aerodite. And today, if you if you get on a bite online, you can use our code Steve and Goodies Podcast <laughs> 24. Hashtag Steve and Goodies. Hashtag Steve and Goodie 24 yeah. in the next 24 hours. You can save one penny off your purchase. Nice. Go for it. Nice. So I'm telling you, Errol, that's the way to go. Solves a lot of problems. But yes, so that's the, the two big nuts string stop. Two big nuts string stop. I think we should market that. Uh, mate, I'm you telling you. I'm telling you. One of these, we, we're, we're talking about a, having a website and, and having some good and stable pockets. Maybe we should uh, have some of that on there. I think we could do merchandising. Merchandising with your, um, In your fact, custom... High quality stabilizers and bow accessories. I think what we should do is run a contest. A contest. A contest. So a contest. What kind of contest? We'll have to think about it. We'll announce it in the next podcast, I think. Okay. Where, where the winner. Let's throw some ideas out for this contest, just really quickly. How about the How most about... homemade bow accessory? Bow accessory yeah. ever made. Yep. Can be sent to us. Or a photo, obviously. A photo of it sent to us. We'll sort out some sort of a prize, and we'll post it on all of our social media and all over the place. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll give you the official details of the next one. But if you have any ideas, specific ideas that you want us to talk about on the podcast, specific ideas or of contests you'd like us to have that have to do with goodies, shade tree, bow mechanics, mm-hmm. or anything like that, you'd like to run by us. Hit us up, steveowengoody at gmail.com. Check us out on our Facebook page. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Yeah. This is the podcast. We're we, now are we on... doing a MySpace page? What's MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I had one of them for yeah. like a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we've got... So we're on, we're on SoundCloud now. We're on iTunes as well. Hey, guys, we are out of time. So we're going to wrap this podcast up. We're looking forward to your hillbilly uh, bow items. I resemble that remark. All right. So anyway, so thanks, guys, for coming out. See you uh, next this time. podcast was brought to you today by... Uh, Bunnings. Bunnings. Buy more for less. If you get stuck up, they have free workshops on the weekends. And sausages. And we'll stay tuned, guys. We'll yeah. see you soon. Bye. Bye.